welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Um, okay, so uh, my name is David Hayes. Uh, we don't really do job titles around here. Uh, if, if we did, I guess I'd be an associate pastor. Please never call me that at least at this point, um, give you some relativity to, to what I do here. Um, my wife is Amber. Amber just finished leading worship. She's fantastic. She's probably, oh yeah, she's in the back feeding our child. We have a three-month-year-old daughter, and her name is Charlotte, and she's fantastic. Um, I had a ton of corny parenting jokes. I've used them all up over the past like month. Corey's giving me a thumbs up to go for them. Um, no, it's been really cool to watch. Uh, it definitely grows you up very quickly to have a child, as all the parents in here will know. And there's probably much more growing up is what you would probably tell me as advice. So I'm just entering this phase of, um, you know, lack of sleep and all kinds of new challenges. Honestly, I have it good, though. Definitely as a guy, you don't bring too much to the table in the first six months, from what I can tell. Uh, a lot of the heavy lifting is definitely done on her end. So I'm just kind of thankful to be here. And uh, she leads worship and takes care and feeds a baby. And I was going to preach for like 20 minutes today, and I basically told her I couldn't do anything with our kid for at least like 24 hours. I'm like, I need you to take the baby. I got to go sermon prep, and it's going to be crazy. I can't talk to anybody. Don't text me. You can't need me. And the funny thing is, Amber leads worship every Sunday and never asks for that kind of freedom. So thanks, babe, for letting me freak out and have an anxiety attack and go sermon prep for like six hours for this 20-minute uh, sermon. I really care about this time, and I really want to have fun with you guys. I want to connect with you, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, so let's hop in. Do I have my slide up? I don't. I had a really cool slide. There it is. Okay. So today's topic and what we're going to get to sort of process and break down is the concept of digging for the gold. Um, the second part of that is thinking like God thinks. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the term digging for the, digging for the gold and you have any kind of grit of what I'm talking about. Can I get a few hands? Okay. That, that's a core value of this house is um, a determination to find the best in other human beings um, and circumstances. I realized a few weeks ago I was uh, having conversations with Bill and Kathy up here, and I kept talking about digging for the gold, and I finally got wise enough to ask if they had any idea what I was even talking about. And Bill, Bill is very kind. He's like, man, I hear you guys say that a lot. I could definitely use a little breakdown of what in the world you're talking about. So um, I'm going to do a little bit better job this time, better job than I did for Bill originally, defining that concept. I want to walk through a little bit of scripture, and um, yeah, we'll get to it. So for the purpose of today and what I think would be the best thing for you to understand about, you know, digging for the gold, finding the gold, whenever you hear that sort of type of language in this community, um, that's definitely going to be uh, an, an active search to find people's identity and their purpose, right? Find the best in people as God has communicated it. As You're trying to find out what God has to say about people and situations, okay? We would all agree as Christians, like, that's like pretty common sense, right? We just want to, we want to think like God thinks. We get that. The angle that I'm coming at this from today is, is that life is very messy, right? Life is dirty. We are surrounded by 
uh, sinful human beings in our families, at work. We're never that person. We're just surrounded by them. And, they're, man, they're annoying, and they cause us pain, and situations are scary. You get it. It's just life. So I want to understand, and I want to dialogue with you guys on what it looks like to be in the middle of a broken world and carry out the highest level of God's reality for the human beings around us. Um, so that's my gig. All right. So um, I, would, I would definitely argue, and, and it, it can get a little bit confusing, we don't focus on people's sin. That's a blank statement. I always, I always lead off with that. What that doesn't explain a lot of times is what you do with people's sin around you or what you do with your own sin, and that can be very confusing. Um, I definitely, definitely think that that would do some justice for us to have a better understanding of that. So let's look at some scripture. Let's go into how Jesus dealt with other human beings around him and how he called them up and he called them out, not calling them out to expose them, but lift people up who are around him. Um, if you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew 16, verse 17. If not, I'm going to paraphrase this thing. Fantastic. You don't even need your Bible either way. Um, okay, so Matthew 16, Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. Um, pretty hinge moment. And he is asking the closest of the closest, the people who have his heart, um, what, who they think he is. Who, what do they see is on Jesus' life, right? And so out of this moment, you get Peter. And Peter basically nails it on the head and says, you're, you're the Messiah. Um, you're the Savior of the world. Jesus comes back to Peter basically saying, man, that's fantastic. You have that answer out of faith. Uh, only my father could have described that to you. Um, and then he goes further, and I guess the point we're going to hinge on, he, he gives Peter one of the greatest, it's not a compliment, it's not what it is. It's just he calls out his destiny. He says, you're, you're the rock, and I'm going to build my church on top of you. So, um, man, that is, it's, a, it's a huge point, and uh, that's a lot of weight to put on somebody, right? And as we all know, and if you don't know, that's totally fine, about 10 chapters later in Matthew, uh, Peter gets confronted with the reality that it is scary to associate himself with Jesus. He gets, he gets uh, Jesus has been killed at this point, and he gets uh, accused of being a follower of Jesus, which at that point in time, it could mean that his life was on the line. And he did a, does a classic, like, stiff arm. I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm not a friend of Jesus's. I have no, nothing to do with the man, that whole thing. Okay, so you get the juxtaposition there of what happened, Right. Uh, Jesus calls Peter in in a very intimate moment. He calls him closer to himself. Uh, he acknowledges him in front of the other disciples and calls him into his destiny. And very soon after, Peter just torpedoes the whole thing, right? Uh, and not torpedoes, it just obviously doesn't behave in a way that would be consistent with what that word over his life said. So whether, you know, you believe or understand that Jesus is omnipotent at the time and he fully knew what Peter was going to do, that's what I think that he did, or at the very least, he had to know that Peter was capable of that. He had to understand that Peter was a human being, and he still, Jesus still took the risk to put a weighty title to call out Peter's purpose and identity, um, and that's a really big deal. Um, so, I want you to hold that verse up here, and I want you to kind of just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, 
the fact that Jesus always calls us up and he always calls us out in a good way. Um, that's just how he lives. That's a, there's a ton more uh, examples of how he treats human beings, and um, that's just a, a prime one right there. So um, this, I want to walk you through a little bit of like an analogy, uh, or I guess give you some description of what it's like to be a human being on earth, and then we're going to tie it back into that verse. Um, there is, it's really funny, as I was processing through um, this digging for the gold analogy and kind of just trying to figure out what I really wanted to say. At first, it was like, uh, I really thought I wanted to hit the gossip thing. Like, gossiping is the opposite of digging for the gold. You know, talking about, like, the low-hanging fruit, which is the people's sin around you, right? That's, like, one of the, the easiest things you can do in this, as a human being and also one of the most detrimental. As I kept processing it, I realized there's something deeper going on here. Um, there's something more to this digging for the gold than just not gossiping. There's some other posture. Um, there's another conversation happening. And it was really funny uh, as I kind of kept, you know, hashing this out with friends and family, this topic matter, this analogy kept coming up that um, that really helped me sort of, I guess, um, hop in my brain and, and kind of take me on a little trip of what it would be like. So, um Pretend that it is the 1850s, and you are a gold miner at the gold rush, a la this guy back here, right? I bet his name's like Todd or something like that, and he's just mining for gold. Um, that's you, okay? Uh, that's your life. That's your lifestyle. You're, you're rough and rugged, and you're, you're trying to strike it rich. Um, let's say that you've been in a full, full camp uh, for... Uh, full of uh, miners for about a year and a half now. You've been through multiple seasons. You've been hot. You've been cold. You've been hot. You've been cold again. And just life's rugged. You're just a crusty old gold miner, right? Um, so take that. Let's say you get a new guy who shows up. It's called a new guy, Joe. Joe shows up at the camp. And Joe's great. He's really new, really fresh. And it's your job to train Joe how to pan for gold, um, how to do his job. So you're showing him. Uh, how to do the panning, how the water takes all the dirt away and it leaves the heavy gold. Um, you are showing him how to run. I think it's called the sluice. Does that sound right? Sluice, right? You lift the gate and the water goes down. You're showing him all the trade of being a job. Um, so let's say it's been about a week and Joe approaches you and he's really confused at why like the person who does your laundry in the camp hasn't like visited his tent. He's like, man, I'm, I'm wearing the same clothes. Uh, it's been a week now. I don't know if there's some kind of miscommunication. He's like, I don't know if I need to talk to HR or how this works. My, like, my fingertips are bleeding a lot, and I don't have anybody here to like, take care of me. Um, this is pretty rough. And so that would be kind of weird, right, if you had sort of, let's just say, a, a prima donna gold miner, right? Uh, to take it a step further, if, if Joe was still complaining about being dirty months and even years after being a gold miner, that'd be very confusing. I would definitely argue that Joe didn't have an understanding of like what his purpose was in the gold miner camp, right? All right? It'd be pretty easy. So that's our analogy. You, you've, congratulations, you're a gold miner. That's, that's what your job is to do in life. You get to mine for gold. You get to live in dirt. And you get to try and find the best in every situation, right? That's like the mantle we took on when we decided to follow Jesus. Um, 
real quick too, what I'm not saying with that is that like we champion dirt, we champion sin. It's a, a KPI, like a key performance indicator of how well your life's going if you're like more dirty. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you're going to be surrounded by sin and you already know this. Um, definitely stopping to focus on it is not going to be, uh, it's going to be a waste of energy and time. And that's not going to be how we're going to get where we want to go. Um, I guess uh, kind of a vulnerable example. I've got a really close friend who is uh, going through a really tough time, uh, basically giving themselves over to addictive behavior. Um, It's been very painful. It's very painful on their family. It's very painful on their friends. And I've been supportive from a distance with this person. You know, text, phone calls, just being encouraging, that kind of thing. Really interesting thing happened this week. I actually got to be face-to-face with them, and I realized, like, all of my bitterness towards this person sort of spilled out, and I don't even know if they could feel it, but I just recognized this thing in myself where I just wanted to punish this person. I had so much good evidence. I'm like, man, you're just, you're killing yourself. You're killing your family. Your kids are struggling because of this. Um, The only way I would be satisfied right now is if I got to call you out and to really expose you in front of people. And I want to like, I'm going to like, I want everyone to see your dirt. I need everyone to know what's going on. Um, And I actually ran with that scenario and kind of felt self-righteous about it. Um, I felt self-righteous about my, uh, my need to confront on that level with that heart. Um, And it was interesting. God kind of like spun me around after I was hanging out with this person. Um, It was actually on the drive home and really confronted me with the fact that I was out for blood and that um, I, here's the thing. It was very, it's it's very painful, but it's a very fantastic lesson. I was a hundred percent prepared only to honor and to call someone up if they had acted as though they deserved it. Yeah, that's terrible. Right. And like Jesus has never modeled that for us, man. It's like skipping back to Peter. I, I, I don't see someone who just deserved, um, who, who had never sinned and was going to walk a perfect life to be called the rock of the church. It didn't work like that. There was a lot of risk involved. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of pain involved when Peter's denying Jesus. Um, so kind of back to the example with my friend, I, I really felt I could just feel God on it so much. And I'm going to keep searching for language on this thing. I think the kingdom to some degree is held together when you make a decision to just treat people um, how God sees them, like completely before they've even asked um, for the right to be treated that way. I think that's like God's like hidden in that kind of thing. Somehow he's like, he lives in that, whatever that transfer is, when you're just going to address people like that, I think God lives there. I think it's, it's a really easy thing to do to champion someone who obviously deserves it. Um, you know, uh, just the person with the highest character, the person just really doing great. I think that's a really easy decision because it's publicly affirmed. I think it's very painful to go in there and do it when uh, someone's behavior is not, uh, not following that uh, or not proving that they should be treated that way. Um, okay, and so... I guess, just in summary, three main points and three things that I would just be absolutely so excited if we could uh, continue to develop as a community and just tools for you to take home and develop with with your kids, with your friends, your family, your work situations. Um, The first one is, and this kind of goes to what I was saying earlier, 
Uh, just because we want to believe the best and we want to dig for the gold and we want to find out um, what God has to say about every situation um, doesn't mean we have to ignore problems, right? I think that would be a very strange culture to build. And I actually misunderstood revival culture when I first encountered it. Um, it'd be very strange for us to ignore problems and to tell people to push them away and that they're not real and to just like um, champion positivity as like a one-dimensional kind of it stops right there. I don't think that works. Um, I remember I got prayed for. I have type 1 diabetes, and I got prayed for, and I could I misunderstood the fervor and the emotion behind the people who were praying for me. Uh, they were fantastic. They were just on fire for God and wanted to see me healed, and they felt the spirit in the room, and they were just going to go for it, and it was awesome. Uh, I thought my role was like pretend I didn't have diabetes after that. I thought I like owed it to them. <laughs> Luckily, it was very kind people, and honestly, I don't think I even expressed this thought process. I just remember I checked my diabetes, uh, checked my blood sugar after I got prayed for, and it was real high, and I like felt bad about that. I was like, man, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't. It's definitely on my end. You guys did great. I appreciate you praying for me. Y'all crushed it, <laughs> right? So, I think sometimes that's this thought process going wrong. Like, we can't admit that. You know, we're all going for stuff in our lives. And at the end of the day, sometimes it's just not fixed yet. Sometimes it's in process, and that's fine. Um, so we're not going to ignore problems. What we're going to do is we're going to deny them a position of influence in our lives, right? And that's a really big distinction. Uh, I'm not going to steer my family, and I'm not going to lead anything I do at work or anything like that uh, when a problem is fully informing me on how to do it. That's, that's like fear-based. That's being driven by fear, right? That's not the best information available to me. The best information available to us is God's opinion of the subject. And that's just, honestly, that's where it starts and stops. And here's the funny thing with it. A lot of times that means we're going to have to, like, deny reality. Because, like, uh, <laughs> remember when, um, when God told uh, Abraham that Sarah was going to have a, have a baby? Right. And uh, and, you know, she laughed, um, which I think would be a very uh, common response because she was super old. It's really weird to have a baby when you're super old. And so nuts and bolts, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, God just has this strange dynamic where he doesn't care about stuff like that. And so it's not he's not trying to trick us and he's not trying to put us in situations where um, we would need to like outmaneuver them and outthink God. But I do think there's opportunity for every situation that looks hopeless for us to really dig for God's heart on it and really try and get a word and really lean into our community. Um, and that's a really big deal. So we're not going to ignore problems. We're just not going to give them a place of influence. Amen? That's a good word. Um, the next point, um, we honor what God says about the people around us in our situation. And um, we gonna, we're going to show people honor uh, not because they deserve it. And we're going we're gonna to call people into their destiny. We're going to dig for who God says they are, even when they're not behaving that way. Um, we're going to do that because we're honor, honorable and hope-filled people. We're not going to do it um, just because people showed us honor. We get the distinction there? That's a, that's a really big one. Uh, I don't show honor just because people are showing me honor. That means that other people's behavior uh, dictate mine. It's a very strong play. It is a very strong play to decide, I'm just going to have really high character, and I'm going to call up everyone around me. Um, and even if they kind of like slap me in the face, I'm not going to be bitter at them. I'm not going to hold it over their head. 
It's not bait. It's not like ammo for later. But I'm just going to like really hold on to God's version of that person. And that requires you to do, obviously, that, that's an interesting exercise in itself. The other thing it does, it requires us to go back into the quiet place and really ask God about the people in our community. What does he think about them? Um, there's this old quote that I love. Whoever has the most hope has the most influence. Like they go hand in hand, right? Um, I think that that would uh, definitely come into play with our community. Um, the most influential person in our community, and not again, this is not a contest of influence. <laughs> the people who are having the most impact, they have the, the greatest understanding of what God says about everyone around them. They've taken the time to figure that out. They pray on it. They meditate on it. Um, you know, they sort of sweat and bleed for everyone's success around them. And I think that's a, that's a huge core value, um, huge core value for us. Um, and last thing on this right here, uh, Jennifer Everson posted this a few weeks ago. Uh, do you remember that Proverbs 11 quote? I, I talked to you about that. Uh, it says, it, Proverbs eleven seventeen says, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. So this sort of just to tie it, it, on some level it does just come back to the words we say and and gossip. Um, When we choose to believe the best and to trust the best, we know that love believes all things. When we choose to posture our lives like that, it's really funny how that just kind of happens. I don't know how this works. I've had people who have behaved so poorly around me, and it's a very confusing exercise, and I've chosen to tell them that's not who you are. Here's who you are. I know it. And you're sure to roll in the dice. I'm like, man, I really hope I'm right and that's not who they are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you are, it is, it, is, it is taking a risk to some degree. But the funny thing is, it, it just comes back right. Like when you remind people, it's like you're like waving smelling salt in front of their face. When you remind somebody who they are, it's like they kind of wake up. And it's funny, that's what you get to experience from them, right? When you call out somebody and just tell them what a dog they are, and you just remind them of everything they know. Like, man, people are smart. Most people just know. Like, they know people feel guilty. <laughs> people feel guilty before you confront them. <laughs> like, people are, people are so much more critical internally than we could ever be externally. Um, so, again, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Uh, let's be the people who just search for good all the time. Let's make that our mantra. Isn't that good? Okay, cool. That's all I had. That was really quick and to the point. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, I got a couple minutes. Let's just do this. I want to pray. Um, I want to pray for a couple things. You guys cool with that? You got a second? Your kids are in childcare. You want me to keep going? This is like the only freedom you've had for. <laughs> okay, I'll keep it short. Um, I'm going to corporately pray for us. I just want to pray like a father's prayer over this house, that we would be people who embody this message, uh, that we be people who have a grace to live this out. And more so, I want us to be people who have a grace to hand this off to our city. I want our city to embody this. I want us to be oddly known for having high character in this area. Like, it's not consistent. Like, it's a little confusing even. Like, people ask, like, where did this come from? I really want that for us. I really want that for our city. Um, and then, yeah, I definitely want to pray. Just I'll, I'll close it out and just pray safe travels over everyone who's going to, uh, to Dallas next week. Um, why doesn't everybody go ahead and stand up? And, um, and we'll close it out. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and just throw your hand on the person next to you. Uh, let's just kind of join together as a community. And let's just go to, before God for a second.
Yeah, Father God, um, we thank you that your character is um, so good. And it's so much further beyond what we could ever believe. Thank you that everything we find out about you, you just continually show us that you're better than we previously thought. Um, We just acknowledge the truth uh, that you are always digging for the gold in us, that you are always seeking to call out the things that you created in us and unlock them. We just, we just, we truly believe that you are restless um, for the world to experience the best part of every human being, every human being in this uh, in this house right now. Um, so we just declare we're going to partner with you, and we're going to see that uh, in our friends, our family, and our community. We declare that we're not going to wait for evidence to move forward with having hope and seeing the golden people. Um, we just declare that's an inferior value system. That's an inferior way of thinking, and. Um, And yeah, we're just not going to do that. Um, I pray for everyone in this room uh, that they would carry a piece of this um, back out into their sphere of influence, back to their kids, back to their family, back to their places of work. And we just declare that Baton Rouge can be a place that fully embodies, um, fully embodies calling things, calling things out that are not as though they are. And this, this whole city would just be filled with the faith to do that and that it wouldn't be thought of as being whimsical or corny or, uh, or whatever. It would be uh, just faith-based that has miracles that back it up. Just times when you come through again and again, we just declare you're going to show up and that uh, you show up all the time. So we just, we just confess our faith to you today and we just say thanks. Um, yeah, I bless everyone, Father God, just with safety who's going to Dallas. Thank you so much that there is revival going on all over the world, and you're doing so much in so many different cities. I bless them to uh, to pick up a piece of what's going on there and bring it back here. I just pray they would be rested and rejuvenated and so excited uh, and so filled up uh, when they come back. Just bless their time, bless their energy, um, and we pray all that in your name. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Y'all have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.